Great to see everyone here. Hope that, um, hope that everybody had a good week last week. And uh, hopefully as you came here, uh, you're expecting a little bit that God will speak because uh, that's one thing that we, we're always confident that he will do that. Uh, today we have a, a very uh, special type of uh, worship uh, gathering. Uh, it's centered not on necessarily the sermon, but upon uh, lives that have, have become a sermon in and of themselves uh, that uh, went down to the Dominican Republic just uh, a few short weeks ago and have come back to uh, give us a vision for what they experienced. Uh, today, if you're here, I just want to give you a couple of reminders. Uh, if you were given a bulletin whenever you came in, uh, please take a minute or two and fill out the Connect card that is in the bulletin just to the degree that uh, you feel uh, comfortable or if uh, you need some uh, pastoral care or prayer or things of that uh, nature, uh, we'd love for you to um, just let us know so we can be praying about that. Um, that, that said... Um, also, if, uh, if you'd like to give an offering for the work that we do, part of which is uh, send the missionaries out, uh, you can do that uh, when baskets are passed or baskets that are in the back, uh, just as the Lord leads. Um, we just sang a couple of songs that I think uh, set this up rather nicely. When Jesus was beginning his work, he said to a couple of people who were fishermen, he said, come and follow me. And they did. And Jesus spent a fair amount of time around uh, bodies of water. And if you've ever read the, 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 the Gospels, which describe his life here on earth, uh, you probably remember that. And if you haven't, um, uh, I just wanted to create a picture for you. Um, there are uh, a couple of seas, a huge bodies of water that uh, were in the territory that he lived in. And if you remember right, uh, there was one sea that he spent a lot of time in. And that, of course, was the Dead Sea, right? Oh, no, Galilee. Yeah, wrong, wrong sea, wasn't it? Because Galilee is above the Dead Sea, and it is fed by the River Jordan, and as the river is feeding into it, life is flowing in the sea, and then the sea feeds out, and, and where it goes, uh, it goes to other life-giving places, but in the end, it just goes to a place, the lowest place on the earth called the Dead Sea, and uh, it doesn't go anywhere after that. And I've often thought about the church as either one or the other. Uh, a church that's, that's taking in the wonderful things of God and allowing it to churn up life and vitality and then offering it back to, to, to places unknown. And then I think about the church as just hoarding and hoarding and taking and taking and just basically parasitically drawing life from everything and everyone. And I know for a fact that the reason why Jesus spent so much time in the Sea of Galilee was because it was busy doing things uh, that were adding life, and he was adding life in that environment. All that said, we have a group of people that are with us today who spent um, uh, uh, anywhere from a week to two weeks um, in, uh, near the ocean uh, in the uh, Dominican Republic. And it's a way of saying, as a church, we want life to flow out of this environment into any environment that God calls us to be a part of. And if this is the first time that you're with us or the first year that you're with us, uh, we've been sending a team down to the Dominican uh, for almost uh, six years, I believe. And as we've done that, there are 
a couple of communities specifically uh, that we've had the, the opportunity to bless and be blessed by in return. And I love to hear the stories whenever they come back because they're inspirational and motivational for us to be the church of the Sea of Galilee and not the Dead Sea. And with that said, I just want to invite um, uh, the, the, the members who came up for the last service or whoever's designated for this one, come on up. And uh, we have seats reserved for you. And if we need an extra seat, we can pull one out of the hallway there. All right. What I'd like to do for the next 30 minutes is just do a little bit of Q&A with you guys regarding uh, the experience that you had. Um, There are some who have been doing this the whole time, and then there are others it's their first time uh, in enjoying uh, the... um, uh, the Dominican in a way that only God can, 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 can cause us to find joy. Uh, so I need a couple of mics, I guess, uh, for you guys. And um, we'll get you set up here. There we go. I'm just going to um, start with you guys. And uh, uh, let me push that on for you. Very good. All right. Now, um, this is, this is a, a sampling of the team, the rest of you guys are here. And just as a sidebar, um, one of our announcements that we haven't mentioned is tonight at 5 o'clock, uh, we're going to have a chili cook-off in our fellowship hall. Bino will be provided, so there will be everything that you need to enjoy that moment. But the most special part of this is the fact that after you hear what these guys have to say, you may want to ask more questions. And we'd love to invite you to that uh, chili cook-off, which is a fundraiser for the things that, uh, that, that, that these guys are doing. And so what I'd like to do is just um, uh, start off with um, uh, just uh, maybe, maybe if, as you're looking at the pictures, uh, some stories that give substance to uh, the experience that you guys had. And so you're just jumping in with us right now. And, and it's good to have Steel City represented uh, today uh, in, 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 this, um, in this gathering because you guys are actually part of the catalyst behind us partnering uh, with you. We love you guys. In, yeah, and that, and that works both ways for sure. Uh, so the collaboration that has happened uh, in the last six years has been amazing. Absolutely. Um, we're from different traditions, yep. but that really doesn't matter whenever we're doing kingdom work. Right. And, and all of the different abilities that are represented up here and there as well are just a way of seeing God orchestrate through individual lives something where the whole is much bigger than the parts. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the Steel City perspective of, of what you've done because you have, uh, you've been with this mission more than six years. You've been doing it for how long? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Ten years, yeah. That's... Um, we started as, my best friend and I started it with our kids because our kids wanted to do mission work and we said, we can do that. So we took our kids and then a couple of years, probably three years after that, um, some brave souls from First Christian met with us and then no idea who we were and they said, hey, we want to go with you and we said, you don't even know us, you must be crazy, so of course you can come with us. Sure. And they did, and it's been um, it's been great ever since I was speaking about this with Diane not too long ago. That you know there are things that I'm really good at. I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm really good at that. I am not a 
as good about speaking about my faith or about um, leading other people to Jesus. That's, that's not where my strengths lie. So we have fabulous people who come with us who have strengths in that area. Um, our women's program down there, a program in the jail, we do a lot of ministry there, and we do ministries in the community, and it all comes together. So I think that's been, God is good because you're right, the, the, the together parts are way bigger than the single parts sure. altogether. Yeah. Now, Marie, if you've, uh, if you've been doing it for 10 years, and we've been doing it for six years, um, that means that there's a lot of water under the bridge, and a lot of things have happened in the course of your time with the, with the communities that you've been working yes. with. This year, what is the biggest takeaway that you had in, uh, in your experience uh, with, um, with the weeks that you guys went down there? Um, I think the biggest takeaway, well, there are a couple of things, but one of them, the, the biggest takeaway from my perspective, um, we went back to some communities we've always been in. We also went to some new communities. And from the health perspective, the level of health is amazing. The level of health in the communities that we had seen previous and given out water filters, thanks to many, many people, including many, many people from this church, is amazing. Everyone is so healthy. They don't really need to come to clinic. More people want water filters. And in fact, we've been doing it for so long. We've given out pretty close to 2,000 water filters over the course of the last five years. When we go to new communities, they know about them and they want them. And for me, that's been the biggest um, takeaway that, you know, when you show up in a community and they know that you're there because you love them, because, and we tell everyone, because people back home know about you and care about you and care about your health. People from our churches care about you and have given money so that you can be healthy. It's an amazing witness to them. You know, it's not just talking about Jesus. It's it's Jesus in action. And they are absolutely so much healthier. To the point where, like I said, we went to a couple new communities and we got mobbed. We really were fearing for our lives in one place. But, um, but it's great. And so I, that for me is the biggest takeaway. You know, it's, yeah. it's the, the time you put in now, even the communities we haven't gone in, they know about us. I get stopped on the street, but I don't even know who they are. Like people, hey, hey, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know where you're from. I can't remember, but people know sure. us now. And I think that's really, um, that's yeah. just a huge testament to yeah. showing up and loving people year after year after year. We have probably some people here that have never heard the storyline of what's happening. So could you summarize, Marie, the, 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 the significance of having water filters versus not having water filters in terms yeah. of the health that it's created? Um, when we were doing medical clinics down there in the very beginning, um, there are so many problems associated with having parasites, stomach aches, headaches, anemia, not feeling well, not being able to pay attention, not being able to learn. Imagine that if you had parasites every single day, sapping your energy. And so one year, Terry said, I think we should give out water filters. And I said, are you out of your mind? And she said, no, no, it'll be great. And I thought, we're going to get mobbed. And how are we going to ever have enough for everyone? And from the very first minute, whatever community we have decided to go to to do water filters, we have had enough money for water filters for every family in that community. And it's been, God is good, it's been tremendous. So what happens is we give water filters out in these communities because they're, all of their water source, unless they buy water, is bad water. So
So if they get water from the stream, it's, even if it looks clean, it's bad water. It has parasites all through it. And we learned this year, even if they buy it off the water truck, it has parasites all through it, so wow. they're all sick. So for them, making little to no money at all every month, you know, spending 25 to 30% of their income on water is just out of the question. They just can't do that, so they can't buy water. So when we give out the water filters, each water filter filters um, water for an entire family for at least six years, and it's probably longer. They just only did studies for that long. At any rate, um, then everyone, and we also give out parasite medicine at the same time we do the water filters. So every member of that family has an opportunity to be healthy from then on. And that's what we've seen. That's what we've noticed. Um, and in fact, this year, the second week, we went, we brought a group of students from um, Westminster and Slippery Rock Colleges who did programs in the elementary school. And they brought microscopes. They, when they looked at the water they were buying from the water truck, they're buying this water now filled with parasites. Wow. So that was changing as well sure. because now the whole community knows that that water's not safe either. So, wow. yeah. but yeah, that, that's the, um, pretty much the history of it. So what we found is we kind of put ourselves out of a job in a lot of the communities that we love going to because they don't really need the medical team anymore, which is great. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible. That's all I can say about that. It's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, like I said, people know about us now. They know who we are. They know why we're there. They know that we come down there because we have friends here in our churches and our families who love, you know, who want to show Jesus love like that in action, and they know who we are, and that's what they want. And I think it's just, that was my biggest takeaway this year, to see people you never met know who you are. Like, yeah, are you coming to our town? That's, like, pretty great. Yeah. There's another thing I appreciate about you, Marie, is your passion is contagious. You're, you're quite a catalyst for this whole thing. So I'm sure that it's had uh, made a lot of inroads into a lot of hearts that have resulted in a team of people that have emerged over the years. So We, um, we always say this. We, it's not that um, we don't feel like, oh, isn't it great that you do that? We get to do this. We yeah, get to go. Sure. And we get to see lives change, and we get to do this. So it's just great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. If, you, if God ever puts it on your heart to do a mission, this is the mission trip to go on. I'm telling you, these two ladies, Esther and Marie, Esther will be here at the uh, dinner tonight. They are just, they, they, they just make you feel like part of their family. I mean, you're, we're, we're really sisters, really sisters in Christ, but it just, the love is there. They make you feel welcome. Once you get there, the anxiety is gone because everything they have everything prepared for us. Our meals are rare. We have a beautiful place to stay. You can see, you know, that this is where we stayed, and it just—it's just a wonderful, wonderful um, experience. So this is the mission trip to go on. If you're a little like, because uh, I really was, and it, it was great. They—they—it's there's no. There's no fear when you're there. It's, it's, it's great. They make it wonderful. So since you still have the mic, I'm going to have you elaborate a little bit farther on, on your story. Because I envision you probably having climbed the Himalayas and went through, uh, you know, the Gobi Desert and all these visions I had. I didn't realize you were so timid. Yeah, brave, and brave yet, Becky. Yeah. Uh, so you've... Uh, You've definitely broken way out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. and uh, it paid off, didn't it? Yes, 
Yeah. 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 I worked with the um, VBS, and Lois Niederheiser is the head of the VBS. She does a wonderful program. She uh, creates the the Bible stories, um, and the kids participate. They they do the puppets, and they do. We did the Noah's Ark, and we had rainbows, and it was just it was just awesome. The kids loved it. Um, The first day we were there, we went to a a, um, a little village, and I guess they had never been to that village or anything. And but you know the, the kids, we start playing with the toys, and the kids come and everything. Well, my mission was to make sure I told those kids I loved them and that Jesus loved them. You know, that's just because I'm a, a kid person. And so, um, Hannah and Sarah, the two girls that came from from Damascus with us, they know Spanish. So constantly I was saying, how do you say this? How do you say this? And I can't re- ever remember it, you know. So then five minutes later I'd say, how do you say that again? You know, and they were like, oh my gosh, this old woman, what's wrong with her, you know. <laughs> so, the, so I wanted to remember, I love you and Jesus loves you. And those, I mean, they were just little words, but I could not keep them in my mind. So I wrote it on my hand so I didn't have to keep asking them. So that as I hugged the kids, I could say, I love you and Jesus loves you in Spanish. So I was like, oh, great, I have it. So that night we went to for the ladies' um, retreat, and it was a wonderful evening. And um, the VBS team, that what they're supposed to do is take care of the children while the women are having their retreat. Well, last year, Lois said, well, there were 20 kids there, so I'm going to plan for half, or twice as much. So we planned for 50 kids. Well, we got there, and these children just kept coming with their mothers and coming. We had 130 kids <laughs> in, yeah, in one room. And, no translators. And there were six of us on the BBS team that were to take care of these kids. And I was like, okay. And Lois says, I'm a little nervous. I don't have enough crafts. I have 50 crafts. I, we had enough candy. We always bring lots of candy. So we had that. And we thought, well, okay, we'll do the Bible stories. And, you know, we'll see what we're going to do. Well, we went upstairs and start, went to start. And here, God just took it away from us because they, those children had prepared a lesson for us. They they did a, a skit, a Bible skit, and they also did a love song for us. And at the beginning of the love song, they it was, it was all um, just acted out. And all of the the girls that were doing it brought each one of us a heart, and it said "Te amo," and that's <laughs> "I love you." And those are the words I could not remember. <laughs> that's I, great. Yeah. I still had them on my arm. I mean, hey, Amo, how easy is that? But I could not, but I will never forget these words ever again because of this. That, I, that just is, so they taught me how to love them, but they loved me even more. That's awesome. So if you were ever to get a tattoo, it would say Te Amo. <laughs> te Amo. <laughs> All right. Just checking. That's awesome, Becky. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Curtis, um, this is your second year, right? Yes. And how, how did it impact you this year? What, what, was, um, what was the difference in the previous experience to this one? Because I know you didn't, you, you kind of knew what you were getting into this time. Exactly. Um, I, I figured I would 
just uh, fit in right again and go with what we did last year. And obviously that doesn't work. Um, there's always different changes and inconsistencies. Um, so you have to adapt and have your eyes and mind open for what God has you to do there. Um, it was really cool this year because I went two weeks and the first week was with all these people. And the second week, Lois uh, stayed and so did I and, um, and obviously Marie. Um, but there's completely different people, so you get to know two aspects of each week. And um, it's really, really neat to build relationships with not only the, the people in the villages, but the people on the team. So that was really cool. So you had to, the watchword for you was be adaptive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. and that, that, that's always a struggle whenever you think it's a certain set of expectations. Yeah. Yep. But, but God helped you roll with it, it sounds exactly. like. Yeah. Yeah. You ended up with several Dominican sisters. Yes, Lots. there was six. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's another story, another layer here was, that we're not aware there was of. Six, uh, six so let's just bring girls, it out. Six college yeah. girls from uh, Slippery Rock and um, Westminster they came. And uh, they were doing the microscope at the school, and they would help out the kids' team once in a while, but um, they were awesome. And we call each other our siblings, Dominican siblings and sisters and brothers. That's so, cool. Yeah, it was yeah. really neat. So I still am in contact with those people, and we're going to hang out. So. Oh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and just one, one more uh, a thought or question. Uh, one of the outcomes of all of this is um, it's helping you to refine your own calling as far as what God's doing in your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll just tell the little story. Um, the year before, or the, let's see, last year, a little bit before last year, um, I was, I've always wanted to find my career, you know. I, I'm big into control, which is the opposite in the Dominican. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah. I just let it let it go to God, and um, I was like, maybe I should do youth ministry, and because um, I love kids and I love Jesus, so it's together pretty nice. Um, but after the trip um, last year, Lois, uh, the leader of the kids ministry, came up to me and was like, "Yeah, you're going to be a youth pastor." I was like, "What are you talking about? No, I don't know if I can do that." Um, but Recently, before this this year's trip, I uh, I talked to a pastor at a church, and he was interested in me becoming an intern as a youth minister. So it's really interesting to uh, look back at the trips and my experience with the kids and uh, the calling God wants me to do. It's amazing um, how you go down to help and something else emerges out exactly. of that that um, yeah. completely uh, redefines your outlook on things. If you're open to God's will, I mean, yeah. he'll show you right what yeah. you need to do. Yeah. yeah. And the Dominican will scare the control freak right out of you. Exactly. Right? It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Which is, which is very liberating, I'm uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So. so that's cool. <laughs> Let's uh, pass it on to Chris. Uh, Chris um, has a dental practice in Alliance and uh, has been called for the past six years to to help out. And um, I, I know um, we've, we've heard... Um, uh, some of the experiences that you've you've told about in the past, and um, uh, as you were uh, approaching it this year, I know you had like like Curtis one set of expectations, and then it opened up in a completely different way. Would you mind sharing a little bit on that? 
Um, one of my favorite places to go is um, every day. Every day we go to a different village, but one day we go to the jail. And the neat thing about the jail is um, it's a controlled environment, so those people see you there every year. And a few years ago, I went to the women's side of the jail, and I heard the men yelling, La Dentista, La Dentista, and they wanted to say hi to me. And I thought, oh my goodness, they recognize me, you know. So building that relationship is nice rather than just going in and leaving, you know. So um, I had an expectation this year to go do um, work, work with the women at the women's part of the prison, which I've only got to do once out of the six years. So... Um, that's where I thought I was going to go, and they kept saying to me, no, no, you have to go see the men. Um, the women, they'll, we'll figure it out with them, but you, you need to see the men. The men have more needs. And I thought, well, okay, I don't have any say in the matter. So, um, so I went with, the, with the, the men, and I'm always put in this bathroom with a table over the toilet, and <laughs> we had just had torrential downpours for a couple of days, so I'm standing in a couple inches of water with a foot pedal with electricity to my... <laughs> So, yeah, my, it's like any, any dentist office you'd find uh, in the United States. <laughs> right, yeah, just exactly. like it. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm in there, and usually the men are very respectful. They come dressed up with their shirts buttoned to the top, and I, I mean, they look like they really were looking forward to this day. And this one guy comes in, you could just tell he was burdened. He just... He just was kind of angry and, and whatever. So um, I, I, got, I get my patients numb, and then I ask them if they have anything I could pray specifically for them. And, um, and while um, after I numb him, he's looking around, and my translator's AWOL for a second, and he has something in his mouth, and he wants to spit. Well, we have suction, and we have a cup he could spit in, but instead he decides to turn and spit on the floor <laughs> with full of water in my shoe, <laughs> you know, right there. So I thought, okay, Jesus, <laughs> I'm going to love like you love. <laughs> Help me here. <laughs> so, <laughs> Quite a test. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I ask him what he needs prayer for, and he says, para salvacion. And I said to my translator, did he just ask me to pray for salvation for him? And she said, yeah. So we talked a little bit and we prayed together and that guy accepted Jesus in the bathroom of the jail. Wow. And so that was pretty exciting for me to see God work and for him to just allow me to be the part of it. Oh, wow. So it went from one shock to another in a good way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a highlight for sure. Uh, maybe tell us one more takeaway that you had from, from your experience this year because you're kind of a seasoned veteran in, this, in that regard. But I, I have to think that from year to year, there's always something that, that, that defines the experience in a way that um, you look at, at it slightly different. Personally, I guess um, you, you, you mentioned that the Dominican will take the control freak out of you. Yeah. <laughs> that it certainly has. I, I, yeah. I remember watching my bags go onto the plane and counting and trying to make sure they were there. And then, you know, just being so anxious because I'm carrying lots of equipment that I have to take home and use, you know. So I've got thousands of dollars in these bags and I was so, always so nervous. And even getting them, I, I made sure I carried those bags up to my apartment. I needed to know where they were. This year, I was like, did anybody get the side X? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I, yeah. I mean, you just don't care anymore because yeah. you know God has it. You know he's, he's got you there. He's got your back. He's going to use you. And, and we're all a team. I think that's the other thing. You're not in this alone. Even though somebody's on the kids' team or... Uh, 
Esther helped me sterilize instruments one day. I mean, she should have been doing a thousand other things administrating this whole thing, and she's standing there cleaning instruments. So the teamwork and the team effort of the whole trip is just really God in action. It's Everybody has each other's back, and everybody's open to God orchestrating whatever happens. It's a little different than it is uh, here in the West, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's really cool. Um, because I, I, I get that. First time I travel with Tom Coffey, I'm like, okay. But then by the time I got done traveling, I'm like, we'll get there and we'll get back and it's all good. You just learn to trust, you know. So, yeah. Well, thanks for, for, for being a part of the team and, and just helping out in the way that you do. Andrew, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and, and ask you kind of uh, some father-son stuff since uh, Andrew and Andrew had both... Uh, the opportunity to step way out of their comfort zones and, um, and, and do something together as a father and a son that I, I, I gather was very rewarding. And uh, so just kind of get a little bead on where you were at going into it as far as what your expectations were and then how it emerged after you landed and how, how there was a difference. What, what, was, uh, what, what was your perspective on that? So, um, you know, for years I'd had this the mission thing on my heart kind of pulling me there, and I always found a reason year in and year out not to do it. So I was sitting in the audience last year in a similar situation. I finally said, you know, no more excuses. Um, you know, I'm going to do it this year. So I corralled my son, and, uh, you know, it was all good with that. Well, then, you know, you fast forward to December, and it comes around, and then I started to get worried. And, uh, so I'm an engineer, and I tend to analyze things to the nth degree, and so I started to analyze the trip and all the things that could possibly go wrong and how I could fix them. So, you know, I would literally lay awake at night. It seemed like 2 a.m. every night, you know, about a month prior to the trip, thinking through different scenarios and uh, how I would solve them. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I didn't really come up with any good solutions, but thankfully the plane did not go down in the ocean. And... Uh, so, so we made it. And so I guess um, once I got past that, um, you know, my expectations going down was, you know, we're going to go down there and, you know, in, in a sense, save the world. It didn't quite work out that way. Um, I probably got more out of the trip than what I gave would be. And, you know, I, I think everybody's kind of alluded to that. I mean, you know, you, you really find out about people, and I'm speaking for the construction team because uh, – that's who I spent the most time with, you know, Ted and Tom, Curtis, Travis, Andrew. You know, you, you find out what people are about when you're standing between two homes that are about this far apart, far apart. It's pouring rain, rain's going down your back, and you guys are slinging some line around. And, you know, that you can still have a great dialogue. You can still joke around. And, you know, everybody comes together. And it, it's just a great experience. And, you know, I had the added benefit of having my son with me, you know, which was one of the things I... Uh, wanted out of this trip was, you know, for a reset in our relationship and for him and I to hang out. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, I sometimes get down on millennials and the fact they need to have their electronic devices with them, and I think they have short attention spans. I, I have five kids, so I speak from experience. <laughs> but, you know, to his credit, you know, most nights our room didn't have great air conditioning, and he did have to sleep with me, and uh, he handled it like a champ. I mean, he got up every day, and he was... Working with us, you know, slinging cement. He was, anytime he took a break, he was playing with the kids, and uh, it, it was just great. So, in that, in, that, in that context, you got to see a side of Andrew's potential come out. 
Yeah, and I it did. made I for did. a proud, proud moment. It did, and just, yeah. just the whole experience being able to share that with him, and sure, you know, it, it reset our relationship in the sense that it wasn't necessarily father son anymore, but you know, I yeah. could lean on him a little bit and yeah. do the same. Oh, that's really cool. You know, and one moment that really sticks out in my mind is so I think it was the first day we were on the job. We had finished laying a floor in a place and. We were cleaning up and everything, and I was doing something. So I turned back to walk back to the place we were going to see what Andrew was doing. And Andrew was standing there, and the Dominican boy that was working with us dropped down and cleaned his shoes off. And so right away, you know, you think of Christ washing the disciples' feet. I just, you know, no ego, no inhibitions. He, he just did it. Wow. Well, you, know, you can't put a price on it. You couldn't have scripted it, actually. So Yeah. Wow, that's very powerful. Yeah. So, Andrew Jr., um, of course, you've never flown in an airplane before, so there's that thing you got to check off your list. Yeah. And then land in another country, that's a whole other thing. Uh, when you got there, what surprised you the most? What impressed you the most as far as what you saw? Uh, just how happy the people were there. They didn't have much, but they were still... Really had a lot of joy and were very happy to be. Did, did did you think that perhaps you know they would feel be overwhelmed with poverty and things like that maybe or did you have any ideas about how how they might look whenever you got there? I just thought they were going to be like down and because of their situation, but they weren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever you you went there, of course, with your dad, which makes a a, a big difference as far as having your dad on hand as opposed to just jumping into it as a person who's going to be turning 16 in two days? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, pretty big adventure. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of work did they give you to do while you were there? Uh, We did a lot of cement floors. That's what we did. Yeah. So, working concrete then. That's why you're looking a lot more buff than you were, because your arms were like that big around when you started. Now... Yeah. <laughs> are are you thinking that maybe there's a there's a, a career pathway here for cement? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if anything, it helped you to eliminate the possibilities for jobs. Well, I mean, there's always an upside to these things. Yeah. Yeah. But did you make any friends while you're down there? Yeah, definitely. Every place we went. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. What 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 were uh, some of the? Um, of course, I know. Language barrier is a little bit of a problem, but how how did you manage that? Uh, a lot of hand gestures. I mean, certain things you can tell what they are. Yeah. Do you feel like at the end of the week you got pretty good at doing sign language? Yeah. Yeah. We play a lot of baseball too, so you know you know hand gestures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did what kind? Did were there any sports that you guys took part in? Uh, we played with tennis ball a lot and, yeah, kind of baseball with Frisbee and a tennis ball. Okay. What we do with what we had. Yeah, so that, that made for a lot of fun then. Yeah. Yeah. Would you do it again? Definitely. Definitely. Yes. That's really cool. Um, I, I know that there is a lot that you guys have sort of inside of you that, that, that could come out, and that's why I'd invite everybody tonight to come and, and, and just uh, hear some of the stories that they have. Uh, and there are um, always spiritual undertones to these experiences um, that, that come out no matter what you're doing. And what I'd like to do is close it out by looking at a, 
basically a, a skit that was done uh, for a ladies' retreat. And Chris, I'm going to have you set this up a little bit, if you don't mind. Right. Um, some of you might have seen this on Facebook. It traveled everywhere. Um, we did a little bit of research into... Uh, difficulties that women face in the Dominican. Um, alcoholism is huge. There's drugs there too. Um, male dominance is huge, so they, they really feel very unimportant. Um, so we kind of crafted the skit to go towards those needs. But um, the, the people that are at the women's retreat are all unchurched women. So um, they don't really know much about the gospel. Um, so I when you watch it, it just sort of displays the gospel without words. Um, so it kind of goes beyond that language barrier thing that we have. Um, so I just hope that you see the reaction that they have to um, to the skit. And they get it. You know, they get it. It's very moving, um, as we experienced in the first service. So I'd like to thank you guys for coming and sharing. I know it took some courage for some of you guys to, to, to come up, uh, except for you, Maria, because uh, you just throw yourself into stuff. But uh, always grateful for um, the stories and, and just for the collaboration with you guys. It's just very special. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, um, and show as we, as we close this part out um, the clip. Wasn't that hugely powerful? Man. That just makes me makes my the hair on the back of my neck stand up because uh, the Bible te- tells us in a in a number of places that we wrestle against not flesh and blood but powers and principalities and forces that work in the dark realm and because of technology and science and just our way of life we don't think about that stuff very much but I think a lot of us can admit if we're, if we're being honest that those forces are at work and we feel them and from time to time they seem to be getting the upper hand. And there are a number of us in the room who once and for all decided that um, we were no longer going to cave into them but rather we're going to allow a bloodstained cross 2,000 years ago which has power both into history and back back and into the future in a way that uh, enables us to experience the power that that cross offers. And there may be that sense of oppressiveness in your own life that uh, Chris witnessed in this uh, gentleman who uh, just came in for some dental work and left with a whole new view of life and a whole new spirit of freedom. And we just want to offer that to you because every Sunday when we gather, uh, we are firmly convinced that that cross has that level of authority to change what's happening and churning in our hearts and our lives. And we just want to express that reality to you in whatever form we can and just call you into it if you need to be uh, uh, challenged and and renewed and remade uh, in God's image and likeness. Uh, because that's really what that was all about. And um, we, we hope that as you have heard what the mission team has shared and what the, the dramatization has provoked in your heart, that somehow uh, God is saying something to each of us. And our deepest heartfelt longing is that it leads us to take next steps. It may be to come to know him in a personal way because you haven't really... Uh, felt the need to do that or it could be that maybe you want to do something like what these guys are doing um, you guys were those guys at one time and uh, look what it look what difference it made 
Not everybody's calling us to go, but if we don't go, then we are being called to send.